0: It's time for episode 253 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Tuesday, August 7th, 2018. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast with a twist that's hard to resist. That twist? Well, it's just that we're very respectful of your time. I am Micah Sargent and I am joined across the very internet by my co-host Dan Morin. How you doing,
0: Dan? I'm doing well and I like that respect is our brand. I think that's good. <laughs> that's good.
1: Yes, yes. And of course, we respect the awesome guests that we have joining us this week. To my left is managing editor, of iMore. (laughs) It is my pal, my friend, the awesome Lori Gill. Hello, Lori.
2: Hello, hello. R-E-S-P-E-C-T.
0: See, see, everybody is on brand today. To my left, our second guest, the proprietor of Core Assistance, Mr. Justin Michael. Hello, Justin. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Excellent. We're all
1: doing great. We're all being respectful. It's fantastic. We've got, we've got four people, of course. We've got four topics and let's, uh, let's go ahead and get going. Um, I've so, I've noticed that there are so many people in my life. Uh, friends and family members who use low power mode on iOS. If anyone is wondering what the heck that is, that's when your battery starts to run low and the phone pops up and is like, hey, would you like to switch to low power mode where we don't sort of like reach out to different servers and try and pull things and um, make sure that it, all of the apps are updated, just sort of flipping some switches to make your battery last a little bit longer. But I've noticed for me, anytime that comes up, I'm like, no, 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 no. And so many people around me, I'm always seeing that yellow uh, battery bar where they have low power mode on, even when the battery is uh, completely full. So my question is, do you use low power mode or the Android equivalent? Lori, we'll start with you.
2: So the short answer is yes. I, I have it on for when I get to that point where my phone hits low power mode. And it's mainly for safety reasons. If if I were stranded somewhere and I really needed to be able to make an emergency phone call, I would be very upset if my phone was completely dead because I wanted to make sure that, you know, my, um, (laughs) my notifications were still working regularly or that I could still, you know, play my games or something like that. (laughs) So, um, I just have it on. It's not even something I think about. And honestly, I can't remember the last time I got, my phone got so low that it went into low power mode. Um, but what what my what comes to mind for me is why would anyone not have that enabled? And of course, I don't use it all the time. It's only for when it gets below twenty percent. So why why would somebody not want that feature to be active? So, Micah, when it comes back around to you, I want you to answer that question.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: very attacked. You, yeah, Micah. Yeah, <laughs> answer the question. Um, <laughs> I cede my time to Mr. Sergeant. No, um, I... (laughs) So I also use it. Uh, For me, it's always that moment of, like, the... uh, It's like in the Star Trek episodes where the computer comes on and be like, auxiliary power engaged. Like, I only use Mm -hmm. it when I'm really down at that point where uh i'm i'm you know the battery's starting to run low and like laurie i want to make sure that i have my phone just in case i need it for some emergency task or even just to keep in touch with people if i'm like meeting people or something it generally only happens when i'm like really using the phone heavily for a day uh so if i'm at a conference or something like that i often i will burn through the battery or if i'm traveling Uh, and so as a result it's nice to have it there for me as just sort of a last ditch like all right i need to squeeze every last bit out of this battery power that i can Uh, and i think to a certain extent having the iphone 10 it already has a pretty good battery so and it's you know fairly new phone so i don't end up having to use it on a regular basis but i'm glad that i have it when i do however what's interesting to me is i've noticed a lot of my friends who use it use it especially on older phones like constantly and i have friends who have commented that they would like to be able to have it on all the time and that they hate that the fact that the ios basically when you hit i think it's around 80 percent battery or so it automatically turns it off and you can't enable it so apparently it's a very divisive topic and maybe it will continue <laughs> to be so justin what do you think
3: my phone usually lasts the whole day and um sometimes at night when i'm laying in bed reading or something it'll pop up and say 20 percent. do you want to enable low power and i'm like I'm in bed. I'm about to charge it, so I say no. Um, if I'm out in the field, though, you know, away from home, away from a charger, I will definitely enable it if prompted. Um, my wife, on the other hand, is a different story. She is one of those people who has low power mode on most of the time, whenever she can enable it. And she actually has an iPhone 10, and the reason is she just uses it a lot. She's she's on the phone a lot, so she has it on to you know get her through the day.
1: Well, why don't I use it?
3: Let's see. I honestly, I, I've been, I've been looking at
1: myself. I've been, you know, really just trying to dig in and figure out me. And I just, I'm not sure why I don't use it. And like, it pops up, and it's literally just an immediate reaction. Where I'm like, no, I don't need that. I think it's because most of the time, I am within arm's reach of some sort of charging system, and mm. so I don't really feel the need. To switch to low power mode, maybe if I was out and about like if I went to a theme park or something like that um, something where I am going to that I know i'm going to be away from a device or a charging device all day and like I don't have battery packs with me or something like that, then I might uh, switch that on because it makes sense to have my phone working for the rest of the day but like if I'm at the store and it pops up or if I am out and about and it pops up, I know that Within the, the time that it takes to get back to my car and plug it in there or get back to my house and plug it in there, I don't need the benefits of low power mode. I think that's why I just end up hitting that no button every time. But yeah, I mean, so many of the people that I know use it and it makes me wonder if just like, maybe it's a thing you can just always have on and have like double the battery. Who knows? (laughs) So thank you all for your answers on that. Let's go to our next topic, which comes from Lori.
2: My favorite calendar app on Mac is Fantastical too. I think it's absolutely extraordinary and worth every penny. It's a $50 app. Whenever I talk about it with a group of people, I get two comments. One, that's way too much money for any kind of app. It's not worth $50. Two, it's totally worth it because of all of the great features that it comes with. So my question to you is, how much do you think is a reasonable price to pay for a calendar app?
0: I like that we have got like an auction going here. How much would you pay for this <laughs> lovely calendar app? Ten dollars, ten dollars, ten dollars. Do I see eleven? Eleven. Um I so I'm I'm kind of I, I'm kind of right on the edge there. Um for me, I don't I haven't bought Fantastical at least Fantastical two. I believe I owned the first one for a while for my Mac. I do own it on iOS. I, I mainly rely on the Apple's own calendar apps on both iOS mm. and macOS because it works for me. It's fine. It's got the features I need. Um, I you know host all my calendar stuff on Google Calendar and basically just use the Apple's apps as clients, and that's totally sufficient. Um, I do think Fantastical has a lot of great features, and it's I, I think you know values in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Like if you need those features. Then yeah, it's worth that money. And if you don't need those features, no amount of money is ever gonna convince you. So I, I think for me it's on the it's I'm on the nice edge. Like if I needed those features, I would happily pay for it. Like I would not feel any problem with with shelling out fifty dollars for an app that's gonna make my life way more e- easy and less stressful. And calendaring is a is a big deal for that. But currently I'm not at a point where I need to do that. So for me it's it's not yet worth the price.
3: Justin? I saw this in the notes you know for the show, like what's a reasonable price to pay for a calendar app, and you, you didn't mention any app in particular, and I use fantastic Cal2 as well, and uh I went back and I'm like well, how much how much should I even pay for this? So I had to look <laughs> it up, and I was surprised when I saw that it was fifty fifty dollars on the Mac and uh you, you know the the iPhone version is five and the iPad version is ten. I thought it was interesting they're still doing the separate apps for iPhone and iPad that's interesting um but i i went back in my receipts and i looked and i got them on sale when they first launched for 40 bucks uh on the mac and, and only three bucks on the phone and uh back when i bought it i still had a, a jobby job i wasn't in india at the time <laughs> and so i had to deal with meetings and like keeping track of this and that and so it was like i it was like an instant purchase at the time because the features like they paid for themselves in the first week um just for convenience and being able to use the little menu bar thing to just quickly type out like you know meeting with such and such on on Tuesday at, at lunch and stuff like that um so i i immediately paid it back then without blinking um these days i i'm an indie so i don't really have the meetings and stuff to deal with so i don't know if i would pay that again but i am glad that i have it cuz i still do use it and it's still convenient but that That is kind of a big ask, and I think it makes a lot of sense if you if you are in the, in the work-a-day world where you've got the meetings and things to deal with, but I don't know. Like Dan said, it really depends on your use case and what you need it for.
1: Yeah, I agree with everyone. Um, I definitely, I also use Fantastical too. I love it. I happily spent the money on it. I may have gotten it on sale, I don't remember, um, but I have it on all of my devices because I've just used it for so long, and it makes sense to me, and it works exactly how I expect it to, and I pretty much live from my calendar. So everything that I do, you know, someone's like, hey, do you want to go get lunch, and I'm like, hold on, let me just pull out the old calendar, check that real quick. Um, I think that it is fantastic. So yeah, it's well within the value uh, for me that I wanted to pay for it. And I remember just the other day, I was having a conversation with somebody about, um, a, I think, podcast app, sort of switching from Apple podcasts to a third party app. And It's interesting sort of trying to talk about these things with folks who aren't as steeped in tech as we are because you – a sort of brace yourself okay now i need you to understand it's gonna cost you you know three bucks and then almost always they're like what and it's like listen let me just sit you down and talk to you about how difficult it is to develop an app and how much it is ridiculous that we only pay two three four dollars for these things that take people so many 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 hours of blood sweat and tears any last thoughts Lori?
2: I think what you're saying about about the cost of apps and and how we value them is exactly why I brought this question up and and it's you know I am I am the kind of person that I need my calendar is my life I have I've lived by it and without a calendar um I I couldn't do the things that I do so I would pay a hundred dollars for a calendar app if it, if I needed to in order to keep my life organized and um and it, it's, that's exactly the problem is that I know that there are people who don't need a $50 calendar app out there, and that's okay. But to accuse somebody of... You know, charging too much money for a product is, that's where things get a little bit bothersome is that, that these, these are valuable things and, and these developers have spent a lot of time and blood, sweat and tears to create these kinds of programs for us, not just Fantastic but other programs, especially in the productivity sphere, that, um, it's really important that, we we give them the value that they're worth, and unfortunately, I think when the i the uh, iOS App Store came out, there was a a real big push to keep the price incredibly low, and that has been to the detriment of app developers ever since then. I I think.
1: Well said. Uh, all right, we have reached halftime. We're already there. Uh, before we move on to the second half of the show, I want to tell you all about our friends at Squarespace. You out there can make your next move with Squarespace because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea. They've got unique domains, award-winning templates, so much more. If you're out there to create an online store or portfolio or a blog or maybe even a podcast, well, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install. You don't have to worry about patches and upgrades or any of that. Squarespace has it all covered. They've also got award-winning 24-7 customer support. If you need any help, They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed to show off your great ideas. I've talked before about how I think Squarespace is great for making a podcast because they make it simple to link up with Apple Podcasts. You can upload your audio files directly to them. Show notes are all uh, figured out. You can see some of the stats on downloads and things like that. It is a fantastic way to get going. And guess what? Squarespace plans start at just 12 bucks a month, but you out there listening can start a trial with no credit card required. If you go to squarespace.com clock, clockwise. Now, when you decide to sign up, go ahead and use the offer code clockwise, because that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And you will, of course, be showing your support for our show. That's squarespace.com slash clockwise with the code clockwise to get 10% off your first purchase. Thanks so much to Squarespace for your support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website.
0: All right, Dan, what have you got for us? All right, well, Microsoft has walked back its decision to discontinue support for Skype 7, a.k.a. classic Skype, uh, <laughs> and basically forcing everybody to its new version of Skype, which mimics the mobile version, which some people were not thrilled about. Um, so their decision to walk this back, I'm kind of curious in a larger perspective, both you know, in terms of Skype and in terms of products more generally... Is there a larger lesson here about companies need to balance having to grow their products and improve their products as well as maintaining sort of what works for
3: end users? This is great timing because I haven't used Skype in a while and and it updated to 8 and I'm experiencing the all-new Skype for the first time and it is an adventure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I've got Cortana in my Skype now, which is surprising. Ugh. And, you know, in the call screen here, there's this... Blinking red heart in the bottom corner that's like pulsing constantly that I can't turn off against like the blue background. So it really pops. It's super distracting. I can see why people were outraged, and I've only been using it for 17 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, you know, so to your question, Dan, like every time I find myself using, you know, some kind of service or product, especially services that I depend on, I always worry about the goal alignment. Like, is the company behind this? Are their goals, like, aligned with mine? And if they're not, it freaks me out. And it's it's usually the case that if the service is free, like Skype is, the goals may not be aligned. Because who knows what Microsoft is thinking? Like, do they want to, like, shift the Skype user base to someone, you, you know, some group of people that I'm not in? Like, what, what are they going for with this? And because I'm not paying them directly, because we don't have that customer relationship, like, they don't care. Like I'm just i I'm just like one in a sea of thousands and thousands and thousands of users. And it's like they don't really care about, you know, what I care about necessarily. And that's that's why I like to pay for services that I depend on whenever I possibly can. Um this this question made me think back to when uh the Basecamp company, they launched Basecamp three. Um they Kept Basecamp Two on because they had a lot of paying customers, and they knew that not everybody would be comfortable with the new system. And as far as I know, they're still maintaining Basecamp Two while still, you know, having Basecamp Three as their primary focus because they have that customer relationship, and because their goals and their customers' goals were aligned, um, they're still supporting them. And it, it just makes me think that if a small company like that can do that, you know, why can't Microsoft, you know, extend? support for the classic Skype for indefinitely. You know, I mean, that would be amazing.
1: It's frustrating because... I know that, you know, there are a lot of people that say, I love change. Change is great. It's great when things change. We loved it. They're lying. Everybody's lying when they say they love change. Nobody (laughs) loves change. It's like it goes against our very nature as homo sapiens to enjoy change. Like It is a base psychological concept that humans don't like change because of our evolutionary history. And so... I am trying to sort of figure out how much of it is just the fact that things have changed in new Skype and that's what's bothering me or and how much of it is that new Skype is trash utter absolute garbage trash and I think it's a lot of that second one and really, if it, all it means is that you are listening to your customers and you're keeping around this application that people have used and appreciate all of the settings that they can do with them and it like doesn't have a creepy beating heart in the corner, then so <laughs> be it. Like, Let's make sure that we are supporting a large uh, portion of the customer base. But Justin, you also bring up a good point that like I'm not paying Microsoft for Skype directly, so... Do they really listen to me when I tell them their app is garbage? I don't think that they really need to, but I'm glad that they have so far, and I hope that they continue to allow me to use old Skype or make new Skype better. Lori, what are your thoughts so I can stop saying garbage and trash (laughs) over and over again?
2: So I think the lesson that maybe Skype could take from this is maybe to consider slowly getting us used to the changes. I think Google actually does a really good job of this with their Gmail um, web-based inbox, which is... The, I have my I have one email account that's already updated to the new version because they said, "Do you want to try out the new version?" And I say, "Yeah, sure, I'll try it out." If you don't like the new version, you could go back to the old one for a while. And they set a deadline of of how long it, you you have before you have to switch over to the new one. But they're giving you the opportunity to get used to it instead of forcing it on you right away. And I think that if Georgia Dow were here, she would explain that um, our brains do need to get comfortable with these changes and implementing them in smaller smaller amounts and over longer periods of time and giving us the opportunity to go back to what we are comfortable with for a long period of time until we feel more comfortable with the new changes, I think is probably a really fantastic way to get us more comfortable with it. So Micah, your your kind of comment that it's garbage, it, it might also just be that it's because you're not used to the changes. And someday you'll get used to those changes and it won't feel like garbage anymore. And then they'll move on to Skype nine. And then you'll think Skype eight is good and Skype nine will be garbage. So I think when companies are trying to help us move on to the next thing, it's a really good idea for them to give us Give us a little bit of leeway and a little time to get used to those changes by allowing us to go back to the original and, and kind of decide for ourselves when we're ready to move forward.
1: I just don't want to be a frog in a pot of hot water that slowly gets hot, and then suddenly I'm dead because I didn't realize it. I got bad news
0: for you about the climate. No, um, <laughs> uh, yes, I think Laurie, you know, that's a really great point that that Google does a nice job of rolling these things out gradually, and um, you know, as many of the web services often do, sort of testing and letting people try things out. It's a little harder in an app, I'm sure, but. I think what's also interesting in the Skype situation is some of this seemed to me to be tone deafness on the part of Microsoft as to what it what people were really using its app for. Um, and, and obviously, I don't have access to all the information they do, and I come from the background of a podcaster, so that's going to skew my perception. But it's certainly true that Skype is widely used, for example, among podcasters. The Skype updates on the mobile app especially made it feel like they were much more trying to compete with... Other messaging platforms like Snapchat, um, and, and it seemed like maybe that was not what a lot of people who really relied on Skype used it for. So that's, that's also a challenge is when it seems like perhaps what you view to be your core values of a product don't mesh with necessarily what your customers are using it for. Um, and I think Justin's point also about the fact that Skype being free uh, means that in some ways we don't have the ability to vote as easily with our pocketbooks as we might otherwise. But I think this is a big challenge, and I'm, I'm glad to see Sky- uh, that Microsoft has taken a step backwards from the moment and at least held off on forcing everybody into this new change that we're not all accustomed with, new frightening change. Thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our last topic, which comes from Justin.
3: Okay, so every once in a while, a mobile game from an indie or small team stands out and generates significant buzz. Past examples include titles like Flappy Bird, Threes, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery, Monument Valley, Alto's Adventure, and, of course, the amazing Desert Golfing. The latest game that has everyone talking is Holdown, a brick-breaking arcade-style affair with dozens of bouncing balls, great sound design, and amazing gameplay. My question for you is, what's your favorite indie game on mobile? Or, if you don't play games on mobile, has any game ever seriously tempted you to try it out?
1: uh, Yeah, so... I don't really play games on mobile, so thank you for uh, thinking of me there, Justin. How sweet. <laughs> I have been tempted, though, uh, by most of the games that you listed in uh, in here. I, I always end up removing the apps from my phone, but I have played Flappy Bird and enjoyed it, Threes and enjoyed it, Alto's Adventure and enjoyed it, Monument Valley and enjoyed it. And I think Desert Golfing was one that stuck around, like, one of the longest to stick around on my phone um so yeah these games like have have tempted me to come along and play them for a while um and i seem to always end up saying goodbye after a while but it's still they they're gorgeous or they are unique or they are uh, just plain fun. And so I appreciate that we continue to see these games kind of climb through the, the rankings and get as much attention as like if you were making games for like Xbox or something and you're a uh, major player. What does that call? AAA games. Uh, that these indies can, can climb those ranks in the App Store.
2: Of course, I love playing mobile games. I've played every single one of those games on your list, except for Hold Down. I haven't actually tried that one out yet. I love them. I download them all the time. I love indie games. I think sometimes they are even even more interesting and creative than the majors. Um, on my phone right now, <laughs> um, I can tell you, Rains. I love to play all the time. This adorable game called Clobbert. Um, That, that just, I don't know, it's sort of like one of those claw games, but so you collect things by just kind of uh, like dropping your crane during certain times and you're collecting things. Um, Mm. My brother ate my pudding, which is probably the weirdest game I've ever played. And Fractor is my kind of my current favorite. That's F-R-A-C-T-E-R, which is a um, sort of atmospheric puzzle adventure. So yeah, I'm big on mobile games, love to play them, love to try them out all the time. I think they're fantastic. I love to see them develop. and, And actually with Nintendo Switch, I've noticed that it's one of the first major consoles that's really dedicating itself to allowing indies into the store and into the environment, which I think is fantastic. And I hope to see more of the consoles to offer more indie games in their titles too.
0: Yeah, uh, like Laurie, I've played almost all the games on that list, and I've enjoyed all of them. Um, my my attention span sometimes, though, tends to get in the way, uh, so I'll play these things for a while, and then I'll sort of taper off. I do have a few games that have lasted the test of time. Probably the most prominent among them is uh, Super Stickman Golf, which I've been playing various iterations of for years including i'm basically down to playing just the same two people uh online now for literally years (laughs) um and (laughs) it's fine i enjoy that a lot it's like it's just enough game for me where i can you know take a minute or two and, and take my turn and then go away from it and then come back later i don't tend to play the single player as much anymore now that i've gone through most of the game um and, you know, I play console games as well, and those just tend to be longer experiences, so I often make it farther before I sort of tap out, but mobile is nice for those quick, uh, quick hits at gaming, um, and I was most recently playing Pocket Run Pool, which I also really enjoy. Uh, but uh, besides Super Stickman Golf, the only quote-unquote game that has really stuck with me for a long time is the New York Times
3: Crossword Puzzle, so
2: I don't know if that counts. <laughs> not really an
0: indie game, but that's what I spend my time doing.
3: I really like how, uh, you know, Micah started off that answer with, you know, I don't really play games on mobile. And then he had this laundry list of games he's played on mobile. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I have news for you, Mikey. You might play some games on mobile there. <laughs> um, no, those were great answers. Um, I'm looking forward to trying the pudding game. That, yeah, that my brother ate my
2: pudding. My yeah.
3: brother ate my pudding. All right. That's, yeah. <laughs> I like the I like the weird, quirky ones. And that sounds weird and quirky. So good times. Excellent. Wow. We have
1: made it to the end of the show. We have just enough time for a bonus topic. But first, I want to tell you all about our friends at Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants <gasps> that you will ever wear. Honestly, Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. Unless, of course, it's Mac Weldon like me. They're so confident about this. They have a no questions asked return policy. If you don't like what you're wearing, You just go ahead and keep them, and they'll refund you, no questions asked. By pairing premium fabrics, meticulous attention to detail, and a simple shopping experience, Mack Weldon delivers a new level of daily comfort straight to your door. Their undershirts stay tucked, their socks stay up, their waistbands don't roll. Everything, it's made with premium cotton and other natural fibers. It's fantastic. I have a pair of Mack Weldon underwear I'm wearing them. They're fantastic. I'm, I'm, I pretty much as, as much as possible when I do laundry, it's like, let me just search through all of this to find all of my Mack Weldon underwear, all of my Mack Weldon socks, because those are the ones that I want to be wearing. And they have a pair of sweatshorts. I just tweeted about this not too long ago. If I could just completely replace my entire, like, pants and shorts wardrobe with Mack Weldon sweatshorts. I absolutely would because they're so comfortable. I love the stuff. So Mack Weldon not only makes underwear, socks and shirts but that look good, but they also perform well so that you can wear them to work you can wear them to workout. You can wear them to travel or just everyday life. Listeners of this very show can get 20% off their first order at macweldon.com with the code clockwise at checkout. Thanks so much to Mac Weldon for their support of this show and Relay FM. And now here is the bonus topic. If given the opportunity, understanding it's a one way trip, would you go to Mars? Lori, let's start with you.
2: Uh, the answer is no, and it's because I love all of my family and friends too much here on Earth to leave them behind.
3: Oh
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, also no, that's not for me, in the words of the tick. The Earth, that's where I keep all my stuff! <laughs>
3: uh, as far as stuff goes, like, it, if they solve the radiation problem and they solve the Amazon delivery problem... <laughs> <take> <laughs> uh goodbye stuff as long as i can take my dogs
1: with me Mm. i'm going to friggin mars (laughs) thank you all for your answers there you're all very reasonable unlike me who's just like mars sure uh (laughs) that that wraps up the show all that's left is to thank our awesome guests Lori gill thank you so much for joining us again
2: thank you for having me
0: and justin michael thank you for being here absolutely it's always a blast uh, and Micah, I guess until next time, we will remind all of our listeners watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.
2: Bye.
3: Bye.